following program is sponsored by the National Prayer Chapel. Today's sermon is pre-recorded. To be a real Christian means that I am going to be crucified with Christ. And I no longer am going to live, but Jesus Christ is going to live. Dying is not easy. We all come with expectations And we say, okay, I've done this for you, Jesus. Now, why haven't you done this? And we think it's some deal that we make with God. 
The Christian faith is not a deal with God. He does not compromise with us. He doesn't bargain with us. He says, give me your life and I will give you eternal life. It's that dying peace that gets in the way that makes it so very, very difficult. None of us die overnight. It takes time. It's concrete. It's reality. Sometimes I kiddingly say, I think I'm the pastor of Reelsville. Because I don't want illusions. I don't want a make-believe faith in Christ. I want something that is real and tested and tried, that's made a difference in the way I act when I'm not being seen by you. So Psalm 37 begins right at the heart. After you make a commitment to Jesus Christ and you say, I'm going to follow you, Jesus. Immediately, you'll begin to look around and you'll see people who are not following Jesus and they seem to have everything given to them and given easily. And in your case, it seems like more and more is being taken away from you. And you're saying, wait a minute, I'm starting to lose friends because of this deal. I'm starting to lose money because of this deal. What is this thing? Well, it's crucifixion. It's death. And so as you begin to go into that process, David, knowing about this, begins in verse 1, Psalm 37, verse 1, Do not fret because of evil men. The word fret in the English language means to rub raw. doesn't mean that in the Greek. In the Greek, the word translated fret in the NIV is literally the word that says, don't get hot or don't get angry. Hot under the collar. See, don't become angry because of evil men. You've said, okay, I'll follow Jesus. And then you see your life falling to pieces. And you're saying, what is this deal? Why? Why can't I just be a normal person and add this wonderful Jesus to my already wonderful life? But Jesus said, if you want to follow me, deny yourself, take up your cross and follow me. And he was on his way to Golgotha where he was going to be crucified. There is no Christian faith without the crucifixion. So do not become angry. I think the first thing I did when I became a Christian was to get angry. I don't want to do this. Why am I being expected to lay my life down? Everybody told me you become a Christian and everything is wonderful. Everybody's going to love you. Everything is going to get better in your life. You're going to pray and your prayers are going to get answered. Everything's going to be great. It was just the opposite for me. Everything went wrong when I became a Christian. He says, okay, don't get angry. And here's the reason why he says don't get angry. 
They are like the grass that will soon wither, like green plants that will soon die away. In other words, I'm in this deal as a Christian because I know I'm dealing with eternity. We're all dealing with eternity. We're either going to spend it with the Lord God of heaven who loves us and died for us, or we're going to spend it in hell. There are only two destinations. All roads lead to the same place. They lead to the judgment bar of God. And we will be accountable for what we have said and done at that judgment bar. And then there are only two places, either to heaven or to hell, from that judgment bar. Now he begins to outline in five steps what it will take to grow up in Jesus, to mature in Jesus. Number one, it's in verse three. Trust in the Lord. That word trust in the Hebrew means literally go hide yourself in Jesus. Make him a place of refuge. Choose to go hide yourself in the Lord God of heaven. Secondly, and do good. So in other words, as you begin to be a Christian, he's saying the first step is be very clear in your heart that Jesus is your place to hide. So don't go hide in the television. Don't go hide in some sexual escapade. Don't go hide in money. Don't go hide in your job. Go hide in the Lord God of heaven. And then begin to do what is right. Do what you know to be right. And do it cheerfully. That word good in the Hebrew is do righteousness, but do it cheerfully, not grudgingly. So eagerly go after God. Dwell in the land. Enjoy safe pasture. The promise of God is that if we will hide ourselves in him and we will cheerfully do what we know to be right, we will be able to dwell in safety. We will have provision and we will be able to enjoy what God wants to give to us. Now, I want to be very clear with you that he does not immediately grant us the safe pasture. There is going to be some time lag between your saying, Jesus, I'm going to serve you and I'm hidden in you. And now I'm going to do these things that you've asked me to do. Then immediately the provision does not come. There is a time period that will pass. For some of us, it was a matter of months. And for me, it was a matter of several years before that safe provision began to come for me personally. And I would read this passage of Scripture, and I would say, Lord, you promised safe provision. 
and I have no ability to pay the mortgage. Or I'm having to call the company tomorrow again and delay the payment on the car for one more month. They're going to repo my car, God. And his word was, do not fret. Don't get hot under your collar. Relax. Trust him. Hide yourself in him. The next thing he tells us in verse 4 is delight yourself in the Lord. Now, literally, that word delight in the Hebrew means become soft and pliable. Did you know that's what it means when it says delight? Become soft and pliable. You see, when, when we say, okay, Jesus, I will serve you, and we begin to hide ourselves in him in the prayer closet, we begin to do everything we know that we're supposed to be doing, and then when something doesn't begin to happen for us immediately, we get hard-edged. And we say, if this is the way God's going to treat me, I'm out of here. Have you ever said that? I have. I'm just impatient. Look, can we just get real? I know what I want. And I want what I know. And I want it now. And don't make me wait. When I was a little baby, I knew I wanted the bottle. And when I didn't get it, I screamed at the top of my voice. I can remember one night. I must have been two years old. Standing in my crib with wet diapers. Hungry. Screaming at the top of my voice. And my crib, my parents were very poor. My crib was in the kitchen. And I knew that's where food came from. And I couldn't get out of my crib. And I did everything I could to climb out of that crib. And finally, it was the middle of the night, my dad came out of the bedroom. I don't remember what happened after that. I just have that brief snapshot in my mind. Well, sometimes I think I haven't grown much beyond that. Well, I have much more sophisticated ways about how I'm going to climb out of my crib and how I'm going to go get what I want. Some of you just go on this cell phone and start punching numbers. You know you're going to get what you want. Some of you just go hang out with some friends. Some of you go climb in the refrigerator and shut the door and all that's heard is the sound of munching. You know, we each have our ways, but we're going to get what we want. And the Lord is saying, if you want to walk with me, lay down those hard edges. For some reason recently, I've had a number of people come to me just angry at somebody else. And just kind of railing against them and expecting me to go straighten them out. And I've been saying to them, hey, chill. What is this? 
You don't have to condemn anybody. You don't have to be angry with anybody. Relax. You're going to have a a stroke. You're so mad. Generally, that's not been helpful to them. It's so important that we recognize what creates hard, concrete edges in our lives. And I'll guarantee you it comes out of anger because we haven't gotten what we wanted. And so I say to people, look, would you just chill and would you trust Jesus? I've been trusting Jesus and I'm not seeing the result. Well, just be patient. I don't want to be patient. I want it now. This is why it's not easy to be a Christian. Because we don't get it now. God is almost always organic in the way he works with us. And by that, I mean non-mechanical. You take the car in, you need to have a headlight replaced, the mechanic pulls the headlight out, he plugs a new one in, and you drive away, and the car is fixed. God doesn't work that way usually. God loves organic things. You plant a seed, the seed begins to grow. I remember as a kid going out in the garden and digging in the garden to see if I could find the corn that I'd planted because it wasn't coming up when I thought it should. And then it didn't come up. I thought it was dead. But it took some sunshine and it took some water and it took a great deal of patience for that corn to begin to come up out of the soil. We take a position where we say, God, I'm going to trust you. I am going to follow you, Jesus. I am going to put myself on the line for you. And by the way, Jesus, I have these expectations of what you're going to do to take care of me. And then he doesn't fulfill my expectations. And I say, what's this deal about? And the hard, angry edges begin to show up. And we begin to hurt ourselves with the hard edges, saying angry things to others and angry things to God and angry things to ourselves. Remember this whole Psalm 37 passage begins with, do not get hot under the collar. If you want to know the simplest and most fundamental lesson of the Christian faith, it's don't get hot under the collar. Don't get mad when you don't get what you want, but wait on God. So he says, delight yourself in the Lord. Get soft and pliable with God. Many times when I have not gotten from God what I wanted, I only learned later in retrospect that what he wanted to do was break up the hard edges I had toward him. The judgments I had against him, the accusations I had against him, like, God, when that happened to me, where were you? 
He was there. And he's shaping our lives according to his will. Not according to our will, according to his will. And it says, then he will give you the desires of your heart. Literally, he will will give you what you have been asking of him. Brother David has made popular the phrase, stand on the promises of God and they'll finally stand on you. Okay. When you begin to serve the Lord God of heaven and you take a firm position on the word of God, that word of God will finally come and take a firm position on your head. Because God wants to deal with his agenda first before he deals with your agenda. He wants to change us into a different kind of people. He wants to make us new creatures. He wants to get the old wicked poison out of our system. It says he will make your righteousness shine like the dawn. The verdict of your cause like the noonday sun. In the Hebrew it says, or in the the NIV it says, the justice of your cause. But in the Hebrew it says, the verdict of your cause. In other words, God is going to bring a verdict regarding our case. And if we have been faithful before him, we have done what he told us to do. We've been righteous before him. We have followed his will. We have given up our anger toward God. We have let go of the hard edges. My way or the highway, God. We've given that up. We have given into the hand of God every person who is in our life. We no longer demand of them that they do what we want them to do. We've given up our expectations at work. Instead, we have become soft in our heart toward God. And we have submitted to his will. So no matter what the external circumstances are like, we are going to serve the Lord God of heaven. We will follow him. Verse 3. Commit your way to the Lord. Trust in him and he will do this. When it says commit, the literal word here is roll. Roll your way to the Lord. We don't understand that word. That's why they use commit. But quite literally, it means that the camel in that culture would lay down on its side. And then the burden that the camel was going to be carrying was strapped onto the back of the camel as he was laying down. In other words, you roll the packages he'll be carrying onto the camel's back. 
And then the camel stands up and he bears the burden. So literally he's saying here, the Lord has laid down beside you. Now put your burdens on his back and he'll then stand up and he'll carry them for you. Trust in him and he will do this. Again, trust is take refuge in, hide yourself in him, and he will do this. He will make your righteousness shine like the dawn and the verdict of your cause like the noonday sun. Now we come to this seventh verse. And this is where the most difficult part of being a Christian is. It says, Be still before the Lord. It means don't talk. It means rest, wait. Be quiet. Quiet yourself. Use self-control and say, I'm not going to go into action. Now, this is where I have often failed in my walk with Jesus. Because if nothing is happening, then obviously I need to help it along. When I was much younger... I love monarch butterflies. And I would go out in the wild and I would find a whole field of milkweed. And I would go through that milkweed patch looking for a caterpillar, this long, beautiful green caterpillar. And I would gather the fresh leaves And I would take that caterpillar home and I would put him in a terrarium with a top on it. And I'd feed that caterpillar day after day all the fresh leaves he would eat. And finally, one day I would go to that terrarium and the caterpillar would be gone. And he would be in this beautiful little chrysalis shaped like a spaceship. And he would be hanging from one of the branches that I would have put in there. And I would often have four or five of these at one time. And I would watch and watch until one day I saw this chrysalis beginning to crack open. And when I was a little kid, my dad showed me this the first time. And I said, Daddy, that butterfly is trying to get out. We better help him. And I reached for that little butterfly to help him out of the chrysalis. And my dad said, Raymond, don't touch it. He said, why, Daddy? Because if you touch it, you will break it. 
that butterfly has to get out of that chrysalis by himself. And the wings slowly unfold. And then slowly he begins to just flap his wings as they dry and harden. And then you can put your finger in the terrarium and the butterfly will hop on your finger and you can take him outside and off he flies. I can't tell you how many times I've tried to help a butterfly out of the chrysalis and broken the wings and damaged. I see this church like a like a butterfly in a, in a chrysalis beginning to develop. I'm not going to touch it. Friday night I see as a, a butterfly beginning to come out of the chrysalis. I'm not going to touch it. The greatest sin I've committed is touching what I should not touch and end up breaking or spoiling what God was trying to create. It's important that we identify what God is creating and not break it, but let God bring it forth the way he wants to bring it forth. Gets more difficult, though. He says, Be still before the Lord. Wait patiently for him. The word patiently here means to twist or to twirl. Or it means to writhe in pain. To writhe in pain. Well, what's he saying? Saying that when you're following Jesus, you finally come to a place where it becomes so painful, all you can do is dance in circles. All you can do is writhe. I mean, I'll never forget. I was driving home from college. And suddenly I got this pain in my gut. It was so excruciatingly painful. I think I wore the front seat of that Volkswagen out. I was twisting and turning and then I would have to stop the car and vomit and then get back in the car and drive more desperately trying to get home I knew my mother worked in a hospital I drove straight to that hospital within the hour they had me on the surgery table taking out my appendix only to discover that as I was driving home it had burst the most painful physical pain I've ever experienced. The pain was beyond what I could handle. It was a writhing kind of pain. Well, Psalm 37 is saying that's the kind of pain 
we are going to suffer as we wait for Jesus to bring forth what he desires to have in our lives. Now, we can abort this process at any time. And one man said to me, in fact, he said it Friday night. Those of you who were there heard this exchange. He said, I don't have any of those kind of problems in my life, Pastor. I don't know what you're talking about. And I said, you don't have any of those things in your life because you've hidden away in a hidey cave. And you have your little formal structures of how you deal with the gospel. But you've never opened your heart to the real gospel of Jesus. Some of you will understand when I say to you, there is such exquisite pain in love. There's such exquisite pain in love. You love somebody with all your heart. You want everything the best for them. But they behave in ways that you just cannot deal with. They reject you. They go their own way. They don't become as serious with you as you are with them. There's nothing so painful as being somehow in this loving relationship where everything is supposed to be beautiful and happy. And they act in ways that just break your heart. Have you had that happen to you? Do you know what I'm talking about? The exquisite pain of love. That's what's being described here with God. Where God is not doing what we think he should do when we think he should do it. And all we're hearing is wait. And we don't want to wait. We want it now. We want to move forward with our agenda. We want to move forward with our life. And we see our life passing away. And we're saying, well, what about me, God? You're not controlled by time. You have eternity. I'm here for just a short time. Of course, that's to totally miss the point that you have eternity as well. In a million years in heaven, you'll look back and say, I was such a little brat. Now, why was I so impatient with God? Why did I think that week or that month or that year was... So vital compared to the million years I've lived since then. We'll say it was cheap enough to get to heaven. But see, you have to make a decision. Are you willing to go through that anguish of heart that exquisite love always brings to the soul? It means also to be wounded, to tremble. Have you been wounded by love? Which of us has not been wounded by love? Some people I talk to say, I'm never going to love anybody again. I'm done. I'm done with women. I hear guys say that. I'm done with women. And I say, yeah, till the next time. Because there's something in the heart that always wants to reach out for love. And love always brings utter exquisite pain and brokenness to our heart. But is it worth it? Well, some of you might say if you're in that stage, you might say, are you kidding me? 
I'll never risk again. All you do is get it thrown in your face. We have to deal with this reality. Some of you gals, you might be saying today, I'm done with guys. I'm done. Well, where are you with God? Are you done with God? I can tell you right now, he's not done with you. God is not done with you. And he's going to call you more deeply into the exquisite pain of love. I almost entitled this message today, The Exquisite Pain of Love. Love has all the joy. It has all the the wonderful, euphoric feelings. But it also has the exquisite pain. That's how it is with Jesus. You'll not be surprised by the next verse. Or the next part of verse 7. Do not fret. In other words, in the midst of the struggle of your life over how you're going to behave and what you're going to do with Jesus and what you're going to do with the people around you and what you're going to do with your wife or your husband or your friend as you try to make decisions about, okay, do you get hard-edged in that? Or are you willing to stay soft and pliable and say, God, bring me all the way through this deal and let go of the anger, let go of the hot collar and say, God, I'm going to walk with you. I'm going to trust you no matter what the circumstances. I'm going to stay in love. And I'm going to walk with integrity. It says, Do not fret when men succeed in their ways, when they carry out their wicked schemes. Refrain from anger. Turn from wrath. That word, refrain from anger, it literally means in the Hebrew, to let slack in the line. To let slack in the line. Can you picture somebody ties a rope around your neck and they pull you down the street? That's what we're trying to do when we get angry. We're trying to force somebody to go our way. We're trying to force circumstances to work the way we want them to work. The Lord's saying, hey, put some slack in that line. Stop trying to jerk people. Stop trying to force them to be and do what you want them to be and do. And stop trying to force God to be and do what you want him to do. Keep your heart soft. Let go of your demands. Refrain from anger. Turn from wrath. Do not fret, it leads only to evil. For evil men will be cut off, but those who hope in the Lord will inherit the land. Look at verse 23. There's so much more in this 
I could preach several messages and not even begin to touch the richness in Psalm 37. But look at verse 23. If the Lord delights, takes joy in a man's way, he makes his steps firm. Or literally in the Hebrew, he prearranges his steps. He orders his steps. The steps are fixed and ordained by God in every detail. Though he stumbles, he will not fall. For the Lord upholds him with his hand. Now, this is a great encouragement to me because so many times I've reached out and tried to to pull. I've tried to control. So many times I've been upset by the lack of progress in my life. The Lord says, look. If you're doing what I've asked you to do and you're refraining from anger and I've ordered your steps and you make a mistake, you're not going to fall. I'm going to uphold you. I'm going to I'm going to get a hold of you before you smash your face in the rock. And I'm going to pick you up. That promise is not for us when we follow our own way. It's only for us if we are walking in the way of the Lord Jesus. And we have said, I will give up all control over my life. I give everything I am, everything I have, I place in the hands of Jesus. Now the fight begins. And the Lord walks us all the way through this journey. It's not that God does not want us to have a job or God doesn't want us to have a car or God doesn't want us to be in a relationship or God wants to withhold any good thing from us. It's not God's heart to withhold from us. He is gracious and kind and merciful, but he knows that if he does not place us in circumstances where he can bring discipline into our lives, we will never grow up. A man or a woman only grows up through suffering, we do not leave our sin without suffering. I wish it were not so, but that is the way of reality. God walks us through saying, leave that alone. Don't touch that anymore. Turn aside from that. Turn that video game off. Turn that TV off. Why? Is he trying to withhold something good from us? No, he's trying to fill our hearts and our minds with something that's wholesome and good. Something that will birth life in us instead of death in us. Verse 34. Wait for the Lord. Don't get impatient. Wait for the Lord. He will bring you through this process. And as you go through the process, 
Keep your eyes focused on him. Keep his way. He will exalt you to inherit the land. When the wicked are cut off, you will see it. Verse 39, the salvation of the righteous comes from the Lord. He is their stronghold in time of trouble. The Lord helps them and delivers them. He delivers them from the wicked and saves them because they take refuge in him. Let's pray. Lord, sometimes it's all I can do to hold my head up. Because I have seen how I have walked in such impatience, in such anger, in such unkindness. I see how I have desired my own will, even after saying, Jesus, I give everything to you. And then I think you don't manage it well enough and I grab it back. Lord, I repent today. And I put all things in your hands. Lord, I ask that you will give every person in this room today the courage to make the decision. To give themselves into your hand. And that they will be patient and wait upon you until you bring to pass all that they have asked of you. I pray, Lord, that we would be patient in the exquisite pain of not having our own way, but waiting on you to come and bring forth the desire of your heart. Lord, have your way. Let your name be glorified. I pray in Jesus' name. Amen.
Thank you so much for joining us today. You've been listening to Pilgrim's Progress, brought to you by the National Prayer Chapel. Write to us at the National Prayer Chapel, P.O. Box 2346, Woodbridge, Virginia, 22195, or visit us online at nationalprayerchapel.com. God bless you. We love you. Now unto him who is able to keep you from falling and to present you blameless before the presence of his glory with great joy. With great joy Now unto Him who is able to keep you from falling And to present you blameless Before the presence of His glory With great joy